0: everyone, and thank you for coming back and joining me tonight on Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and tonight I'm very excited to share one of the great golf course architects anywhere on the planet with you, and that's Bill Bergen. Bill was a top player back in his college days when he went to Auburn, a four-year letterman there, and also a four-time All-SEC selection and helped them to an SEC championship back in 1981. He is also the designer of their golf course, Yarborough Farms, Bill played out on tour as well from 1984 to 94. And over that time, he played in over 250 events worldwide. Now, like I said, he's a renowned golf course architect. And you can find his work under uh, Bergen Golf Designs and under bergengolf.com online. So we got a great deal to talk to when Bill, uh, talk to about when Bill joins me here in just a few minutes. And following him, I'm going to play a conversation that I had with Gary Player from earlier this year. And over the last four years, I've been blessed to have Mr. Player join me during Masters week to talk about his now 60 years of uh, being at Augusta National and his love affair with the Masters Tournament and the patrons there as well. And we'll also talk about his longevity in the game, right? He was winning majors from the early 60s to the late 70s. So just, you know, think about that span of time that Mr. Player was at the top of the golfing world and competing for major championships every year. So we'll talk about that, plus the impact that technology is having on the game. So I'll uh, play that kind. conversation for you about 25 minutes from now so more great stories coming your way tonight on this edition of next on the t thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me over the next hour or so and as you know we are sponsored by the french lick resort let's hear a word from our good friend steve Rondinero about what they have going on this
1: fall fall golf is gorgeous at french lick resort Perched on one of the highest points in Indiana, the Pete Dye course hosted the first-ever Senior LPGA Championship this summer. Ask the ladies. The views are spectacular. The venerable Donald Ross course is looking better than ever as it celebrates its centennial. Go to FrenchLick.com and save with our Hall of Fame package. Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort this fall.
0: And folks, be be sure to check them out online on their website, FrenchLick.com, and you're going to see for yourself how great a place it really is, and you have the opportunity to book your stay there as well. And folks, have you heard me talking about Clubhub sensors over the last few months? If you haven't, listen up and get ready to discover the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Clubhub tells you what happened and why. Take the progress that you make on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. I have Clubhub sensors on all of my golf clubs. They screw right into the tops of your grips, and I can tell you, since I put the Clubhub sensors on my clubs, I've learned more about my swing and all the data surrounding it, and I've learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. But before you go out and buy your own set, our friends at Kinetic Sports have a special discount for our listeners. You can get any Clubhub product for 10% off by entering NEXT, that's N-E-X-T as your coupon code, and you're going to get Club Hubs for a stellar low price. Head to clubhubgolf.com, again, clubhubgolf.com, to get your Club hub Center today and see your game in a whole new way. We're also excited to be partnering with the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. The Ben Hogan Golf Company is back with the same great equipment that you know and love without the retail markup that you hate. Now you can buy premium Ben Hogan irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, and bags directly from the factory at prices your wallet's going to really appreciate. Visit them online at benhogangolf.com or give them a call at 844-53-HOGAN. Again, 844-53-HOGAN to learn more. Plus, also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their new fall collection is out. It's time to update your wardrobe with Enduring Style from the Bobby Jones Apparel Company. See their great shirts, sweaters, jackets, etc. Everything that you're going to need for this fall and this winter. You can go online and find all of that by going to bobbyjones.com. And folks, as you know, we are partnering with Russ Holden and the great folks over at Caddy for a Cure. One of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and Fancona Anemia. You're going to get to walk side by side with your tour player experiencing professional golf as an insider In addition to this amazing experience, you're going to receive a fantastic gift package from Caddy for a Cure, including Under Armour logoed apparel and an eyewear package as well, a tour-grade caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a tin cup ball marking gift, chef's cut real jerky, and professional photographs from your day. Go online to caddyforacure.com to learn more. And it's Caddy, C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E, so caddyforacure.com. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Bill Bergen. Let me remind you a little bit more about Bill's background. As I mentioned at the top, he played college golf at Auburn University from 1978 to 1981 and was named first team All-SEC every year, and he helped Auburn win the 1981 SEC Championship. His three-round total of 222 was second best on that Auburn team during the SEC Championship Tournament. His 65 during the 1979 Pan American Tournament still ranks near the top as one of their lowest eight. 18 hole scores in school history. He's played in over 200, uh, prof- 250 professional tournaments worldwide including three US Opens, two Open Championships, and over 50 PGA Tour events. He's now the owner right, of, of Bergen Golf Designs. He's designed to redesign courses all over the world. He's been involved in over 70 golf course design projects highlighted by you know, completed courses such as the Club at Foxland Harbor, Old Hickory Lake near Nashville, which was named one of Golf Week's 2009 Best New Courses. Heritage Plantation down in Laurel Hills, Florida, which was selected as Golf Digest's fifth Best New Public and Resort Course in the U.S. back in 2008. Cherokee Run, Golf Week's number three best course you can play in Indiana. Miramichi, which is Justin Timberlake's eco-friendly golf course and Golf Week's number one best course you can play in Tennessee. Chattanooga Golf and Country Club, a Donald Ross design course along the Tennessee River up in Chattanooga that Bill helped restore. He's currently doing some redesign work at Minnesota Valley Country Club, a Seth Raynor design, and uh, you can check all of that out online by going to bergengolf.com. Plus, if you go to our website, nextonthetea.net, we've been featuring some of the pictures of Bill's work on our homepage as well, and I'm uh, very excited to have Bill back on the show with me again tonight. Hey, Bill, thanks, uh, thanks for joining me. How are you, my friend?
2: Good evening, Chris. I'm doing well, and uh, since you brought up, started the conversation with my Auburn Tigers, I'll have to give a shout-out to uh, both our football team with a great victory over Georgia and also to Patton Kazar for his first PGA Tour victory this week, uh, which was really exciting. So it's good to see you, good to be with you, and I'm looking forward to talking.
0: I appreciate it. Yes, yeah, your, your Auburn Tigers blew out Georgia last saturday so you you gotta be you gotta be tickle pink because if they can get a win over alabama in a couple of weeks your tigers could be the first two lost team to ever make the playoffs. that would
2: be something that would be something and, and that would surprise a lot of people but we um as they say we sort of control our own destiny but we have a tough road ahead of us
0: so bill catch us up talk about what are some of the projects you're working on right now
2: Uh, Good question. So I am sitting right now at Minnesota Valley Country Club, uh, which is a Seth raynor designed golf course from 1924 in Bloomington, Minnesota. And we have been uh, renovating this golf course since the middle of summer, and we are winding down, as you might guess. It's um, it's actually snowed on us a couple times in the last couple weeks, and we are finishing up our project with um, planning on reopening this golf course May 1st, and the exciting thing about this project has been uh, two things. One is I have studied, studied, and studied Seth Rayner over the course of the last year and a half or two years while working on this project, and we have added Seth Rayner template holes to this golf course, and um, I probably need to explain what that means, but do you know what I'm talking about when I say template holes? No, please.
0: you know, for For me and for our listeners, let us know what you're talking about.
2: Okay, Seth Raynor was a, is a revered classic um, golf course designer from the you know 1920s, 1930s, um, the era when so many great golf courses were produced. And he worked for a guy named Charles Blair McDonald, um, designer of National Golf Links of America, one of the premier golf courses in America, and also one of our first Chicago Golf Club held the U.S. Open in in the 1800s. So this is there's a lot of history laden um, with these guys and Seth Raynor was not a player he was an engineer and he built Charles Blair McDonald golf courses and then at some point he went on his own and started building his own courses well he built the same basic 22 golf holes over and over and over again yet he did it so well on so many great pieces of property that you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't really know that, but, but he, each of his golf courses had many similar golf holes that he repeated and repeated and repeated, yet there was a difference between all of them. Again, if you play the Redan at, at Chicago Golf, it's different than the one at Shinnecock Hills. It's different than the one at Yeaman's Hall. And so when I say a template hole, these are holes that have already been built by somebody else, and Seth Rayner copied them. And he put them on a different piece of land, and he fit them to the, the land that he was working with. And so at Minnesota Valley, we had, we had hints of rainer, but we didn't have a lot of the template holes. And um, after the last five or six months, we do now. And uh, featured with, we have a fantastic Redan hole. Um, Redan came from um, a Scottish golf course, uh, North Berwick. Um, And it's a hole, it's a par three that has a a high sloping green from the right side. It works from from high right to back left, actually actually sloping away from the player. What happens to the ball when it lands on a green like that is it feeds to the cup or it feeds away from the cup, depending on where the hole is located. Um, But that's a classic piece of architecture, and, and that's one of our feature holes. We have what's called a double plateau. The funny thing about a double plateau is it's actually three plateaus, but it's a a green that really has two front sections, one high and one low, and then a higher section in the back. Um, Our ninth hole is now a double plateau. We have what's called a barit. And, again, all these are terms that you may not be familiar with, but if you start diving into golf course architecture, you'll see, oh, I know what a barit is. It's one of those funny greens that has a swale that runs right through the middle of the green. Um, and and that's a really unique golf hole, and we've got that here as well. So it's a it's a pretty exciting uh, process to to take these Rainer templates and put them on the ground at Minnesota Valley.
1: And
0: just to expand on that a little bit, Bill, when you talk about studying his design right? Are you going to some of these historic golf courses? Again, as I, you know, pull him up real quickly and, you know, look over some of the golf courses that he designed. You and I were talking off air about Augusta Country Club once upon a time had a Rainer design, but, you know, it looks like there's some at, at Pebble Beach. You, you mentioned Chicago Golf Club. Are you going and visiting those golf courses to see what those look and feel like, or how are you studying that? How do you get that design feel so that you make it, you know, sort of original or back to the original state?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I um, have a good friend in Charleston who um, is a member at Country Club of Charleston, which is hosting the U.S. Women's Open, uh, I believe in 2019. And I went on a trip to visit him, which is Country Club of Charleston is a Seth Raynor golf course. And right down the road from Country Club of Charleston is a place called Yeaman's Hall. And that is a just spectacular Seth Rayner golf course that feels like you have just walked right back into a time machine and you are right in the 1920s. If you didn't notice a car in the parking lot, you have literally time traveled to visit Yeamans hall. Just a spectacular Seth Rayner. And then there's one down in, in, um, central Florida, Lake Wales, Florida called mountain Lake. And I did a new golf course down there called the country club of winter Haven, which isn't very far away. And so I got a chance to go over and walk. I didn't play it, but I walked, mountain lake and, and took photographs on every hole and, and really immersed myself into, into the Rainer work there. Lookout mountain up near Chattanooga is a Seth Rainer. And then I've had history, history. I've played piping rock up on long Island. I've visited Camargo in Cincinnati. And the interesting thing about the Rainer golf courses is they're, they're very low key high end private clubs for the most part. People don't know about them. Yet when you step foot on these properties, they're almost they're almost museum quality. Um, our group from Minnesota Valley took a trip, and we went to Chicago Golf Club, which is the C.B. McDonald Golf Course originally that Rainer redid. And so now I think it's more Rainer than McDonald, but it's it's absolutely a museum piece of golf in the United States. And again, host of one of, of two early U.S. Opens in the 1800s. I think Harry Varden won there, which is crazy when you think about. You know, the history of our game and the places that people go and can still play the golf course that Harry Varden won the U.S. Open on in the 1800s. Um, Shore Acres in Chicago is another Rainer. So, yes, and I've looked at, I've probably Google Earth all the Rainer golf courses, Fisher's Island and, and St. Louis Country Club, and, and, and really done a lot of homework on, on his work.
0: And Bill, you, you mentioned briefly, you know, Lookout Mountain, Rainer's work up at Lookout Mountain, and uh, and you and Reese Jones have collaborated on a golf course right up in that same area up in Chattanooga. Talk about that, uh, that project.
2: Yeah, we are, and it's actually formerly known as Canyon Ridge, and we are renaming and repositioning and transforming it as Macklemore, and Macklemore is the name of the cove that sits below our golf course so we're down the mountain or down the ridge line from lookout mountain but on that on that same brow or that same mountain but we're a little bit further south and our golf course sits right on the edge of this mountain and looks straight down into macklemore cove and it is absolutely a stunning sight it's 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 full of rock and fescues and, and incredible views and wildlife and we are going to transform that golf course starting this spring. So we are going to rebuild that golf course. And, um, and really, our goal is to make the golf match the spectacular scenery and land that the golf course occupies. It's a good golf course, but it's going to be a great golf course. It's going to be one of those. It, it's going to be a destination resort. Um, it will have a hotel. It also has real estate on the property so you can buy a home and, and live and play at this golf course. But um, we're really excited about doing that, and we start construction this spring.
0: And do, do you and Reese, do you guys have similar design philosophies, or is it completely different so it makes for a, you know, a very distinct layout? You can tell his holes and your holes, and it just sort of blends together really well. How, do you, how are you guys meshing you know, your two different uh, golf course philosophies together?
2: You know we're more similar than we are different, um, so so that makes it easy. So um, I would say that the the first of all, Reese played college golf for Yale, um, so he has a golf playing golf background, which I appreciate, and so we we can speak the same language. And obviously, he has designed many many courses that of, have of, of held major championships, and I've played in a few major championships. So it, again, we can relate to each other on on that aspect, and. I would say that our bunker style, both of us lean towards grass-faced bunkers with sand in the bottom, and that's what we will do up at up at Canyon Ridge. Uh, mm-hmm. There we'll mix in the native rock, we'll mix in fescues, um, all of that to create this really kind of rugged, natural appearance on that golf course. But, but yeah, we have more – I'd say we have more in common than we do um, differences. And so we also have already collaborated on a golf course in Winter Haven, Florida. So the country club of Winter Haven, which I did did most of the design work, Reese consulted on that job. And so we got to know each other on that project. And then when this one came along up near Chattanooga and with the club's desire to have a destination hotel conference center, I thought Reese was a natural fit that would bring um, a marketing element that that I was not able to bring yet uh, for that project. And so um, our owners were really excited about having him – you know, co-design the golf course, and and as, as am I.
0: And Bill, as you mentioned bunkers, one of the many things that I love about the design work that you do is the way you construct your bunkers with those grass faces and things of that nature, and how they, you know, hand, how they, you know, sit out there on the lip of the bunkers, and you wrap them really nice. Talk about construction of the bunker, how you go about putting that together, and how you design those things that so they're beautiful.
2: Thank you. And generally, we do a Grass face, sand in the bottom bunker, and what sets us apart a little bit are, it would be what I call the crest line. The crest line is the upper line, the the high line where the grass sort of angles down into the bunker, and we let zero water get into our bunkers, which makes them very maintenance friendly. It makes them very consistent for the player and for the golf course superintendent who has to take care of them. Now the art of the bunker is kind of interesting because the crest line produces this great shadow um, and, and it almost looks black or dark green against the brilliant white sand. And I think it's just a beautiful feature. It's a very old style. We really started doing this style bunker around 2005 when I was renovating Chattanooga Golf and Country Club, which is a Donald Ross. And I, and I have to admit, I studied Ross and studied Ross and studied Ross, and I love the bunkers at Worcester Country Club in Massachusetts. And so if anybody Googles Worcester Country Club and you see, you see the bunker style there, that's what we sort of modeled this off of. Now, we don't do, the, do it the same way on every course. If you just take my Atlanta golf courses, I have Pine Tree Country Club, Dunwoody Country Club, and Druid Hills. The bunkers there, all are cousins – but they're not brothers and sisters. In other words, they don't look exact. There's a familiarity or similarity to the bunker styles that you go, okay, yeah, I get it. I understand that, That you know, I can tell that Bill did these bunkers on these golf courses, yet they don't all look the same. And I want to keep it that way. I want Macklemore um, to look a little bit different than those golf courses. And I want Dalton Country Club, another one of our future projects, to look a little bit different. Yet, I like that they're related. I like the fact that, you know first of all, they perform mechanically very well, and secondly they they look great and they're consistent as far as playability but but it is a it is a grass face bunker, sand is mostly in the bottom, it produces great shadows and, and consistent play but i I think they're also very bold when you look at them they there's no, there's nothing timid about them there's nothing that they're barely there they 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 present a strong look to the golf course and then it's quite honestly Chris it's where you place them that's even more important and I think we do that very well because of my background as a player and as a a teacher. Um, I pay attention to how average golfers play golf and I'm always giving them a way to navigate their way around the golf course and bunker positioning has a lot to do with that.
0: So uh, Bill when when you are putting a, a complete project together you know i'm curious you know we you have 18 holes to design and we have 14 clubs in our bag is it a goal you know for a designer like you or other guys that you work with is it a goal to try to make us use every club in our bag at least once
2: ideally absolutely yes and so if and if we can get into that 12 or 13 range and then you play the next day and you use use the other ones that that's that's my goal but um you know, we hear a lot today about how far the golf ball goes, and that's obviously for the select few golfers that it, it does. In my opinion, it does go too far, but for 99. point something percent of us, it doesn't. But for those those the the really good players, still a believer that overall yardage is much less important than yardage variety, and that goes into that club selection question question that you just asked. You know, I would like a couple par fours that are the drive and pitch shots or possibly drivable. I want two or three more that really stretch the golf course out. And and in this day and age, that's, you know, 470 to 500 yards. And then I want a balance in between. I also want them to – some to turn left, some to turn right, a good mix. We'd like four par threes, ideally, that went in opposite directions, but that's not always easy to do, and four totally different club selections. I mean, I'd like you to have a short iron a mid-iron, more towards a long iron, and possibly even a fairway wood or a rescue club um, on four different par threes. And even with par fives, we'd like two or three that are reachable and one that's not. And so it's a great mix that you're looking for in a a well-designed golf course that offers balance, offers variety, and more importantly, if you play the golf course three days in a row, you want three different results um, and different challenges based on on conditions, based on the way you play the game, based on hole location, and and based on design. So so I'm looking for variety in in the design, and that I think results in in an enjoyable golf course.
0: And Bill, like you mentioned a moment ago, alluded to a moment ago. Mm-hmm. We've we've heard an awful lot, right, about how far the golf ball flies. Last week, Tiger Woods talked about that. We've heard Jack Nicklaus and Gary Player. Talk about that for years. So, it, do, and I know for for the majority of us, right? And I think the average, you know, if you take all golfers, right, and you average how far we hit our drives, it's somewhere around 220 or, or somewhere in that area, right? So for us, you know, a golf course that plays, you know, and you know, 6,500 something around the, the, you know, that yardage makes sense for us. But for the for those select few, for that one tenth of one percent. You know, we saw at Aaron Hills, right? I mean, you know, Brooks Kepka, you know, 16 under par. We saw Justin Thomas shoot 63, you know, and, and the lowest score in a, uh, in a major championship. And, that, you know, that, that golf course was somewhere between 73 and 7,400 yards. So for if, if you want to have a major championship, or just a PGA Tour championship for that matter, on one of your golf courses, is this starting to get ridiculous? Are we going to start having to look at courses having to at least have 8,000 yards available you know, playing in it so that you know those guys might put a tour event on there. It, to me, that just seems like we're starting to get into the ridiculous range.
2: I think so too. I think we're running out of real estate for one thing. We're also water is a limited resource, and the bigger piece of property is re- going to require more water. So I think you need to change the design. And there was an interesting tweet by David Duvall recently about that, and his opinion is that we need to design better golf courses. And, and I would start this way. I would, I, if, if somebody said, hey, what would you do to control the scoring, I would say we're designing golf courses right now with greens that are too large. And the reason I say that is tour players can two-putt from just about anywhere. It's amazing how many guys have zero three-putts the entire week on massively large undulating greens. But if we make the targets a little bit smaller, make the area around the greens a little bit more interesting, I think that has a bigger impact on on you know a few more missed greens, more opportunities for short game skill, and, and I think that will impact the way scoring goes. Pebble Beach is an interesting example. Um, those greens average 4,000 square feet. Where you take Aaron Hills, and I'm not sure how big those are, but I would hazard a guess they're probably 8,000 or bigger. Um, you know, twice as big as Pebble Beach, totally different, totally different game. And so, um, you know, a lot of modern golf courses, I think the greens are getting a little bit too big. I like a greens complex that plays large, but a putting surface that's a little bit smaller. Um, And then really interesting shots around the greens is what I would look for in order to, you know, help preserve par. Um, I get a lot of comments, courses that I work on, typically the course rating gets harder and the slope rating drops. The course rating is for a zero or scratch player. If that's getting harder, the golf course is getting more difficult for the better player. The slope rating is for about a 15 handicap. If that, and if that's dropping or getting easier, at the same time the course rating is getting harder, we're doing something right. It's because we understand the difference between a tour level player and everybody else and what happens around the golf course and what happens particularly around the greens complexes. So that's, that's an area I feel like we excel. Um, haven't done a, a PGA Tour golf course, although we do have a web.com tour um, that plays uh, at Fox Den and, and, and with the Knoxville Open. But um, always like to see competition. I've had a lot of state amateurs um, play it on my golf courses, and they typically hold up very well.
0: Bill, just a couple of more before we let you go. And one of the things that I've read about you is that you're a proponent of courses creating a six hole pitch and putt course that people can come and play, you know, work on their short game skills and do it in, you know, under an hour. Are you seeing more courses being open to that kind of concept?
2: I'll tell you what, that's a fantastic thing. The reason I love it is you can have so much fun playing golf in a half an hour. And it's a perfect grow-the-game opportunity. Think about how intimidating a large golf course is to a new golfer. And and let's just start with kids. You you think about when kids go out to play golf, how many holes do they play before they're bored and want to look for turtles or frogs in the creeks or something like that? Because it's overwhelming. It's not scaled to their size. And we have done two recent um, pitch-and-putt golf courses, one with actually U.S. Kids Golf up in Pinehurst. And it is so much fun, and the longest hole on the golf course is, is 100 yards. And every shot that you hit matters because they're all scaled down to where they're scoring shots. And so it's a brilliant place to take, you know, a new golfer, a five, six, seven year old out there, and you, you go around and play at one time. And it's the kind of place that when you finish, they, you know, it's only taken half an hour, 35-, 40-minutes. And it's the kind of place where the child looks up at you and says, can we do that again? And it leaves you with a good taste of wanting more, which I think is also important. So we've got those planned right now at Dalton Country Club. We've got one planned at Macklemore. And so um, they are definitely on the books. Wherever we have an extra two to three acres that we can work an area around a clubhouse, I am recommending them wholeheartedly because I think that – your better players can work on their short game skills and really learn to score by playing the pitch and putt. And everybody else, it's just a great introduction to golf and just simply fun. Uh, what a great place for a family to go out! Um, excellent for women who have never played the game. Just a just a super place for for players of all abilities to have fun.
0: And Bill, how, how does your philosophy about player retention? in with you know you, you know you mentioned US kids so you're partnering with the USGA you're partnering with US kids golf and you put all that together with the longleaf tea initiative talk about how all of that goes towards you know keeping people in the game yeah
2: you know, the long-leaf tea initiative is a um, it's a derivative of sort of of the play it forward system but it's so much more than that because it is based on how any golfer how far any golfer hits a driver So if you hit a driver 100 yards, which which would be a child, it would be some women, it would be some senior men, 100 yards, we're recommending that you play a golf course 18 holes from only 3,200 yards. And so we actually have tees at Longleaf at 3,200 yards. and It is fabulous for people who don't hit the ball very far. Conversely, if you carry the golf ball 275 yards like a tour player, we're recommending that you play a 7,400-yard golf course because that's what fits your game. So rather than it being sort of a nebulous play it forward, well, you tell somebody like my son, who's a brand-new golfer, I say, if you sit, tell Matt play it forward, and he goes, well, what tee should I play? Well, nobody really has an answer for that, but the long-leaf tee system does. If he can carry the ball 250 yards, well, he might play a 6,800-yard golf course. If he can pl- carry it only 225 yards, then 6,200 would be perfect for him. And so it's 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 a subjective, um, it's an objective way of looking at which tees you should play, and it's really important because you know a lot of a lot of senior men have been good players in the past and they're not hitting the ball quite as far, they're not having as much fun, and this this system allows them to go out on the range, see how far they carry a driver, and then we're giving you a recommendation. You don't have to play those tees, but this is giving you a recommendation. We've got a big conference regarding this exact system um, up in Pinehurst at uh, in, in the end of November after Thanksgiving. And we are working on, on taking this actually nationwide, and I am recommending it to all the golf courses that I'm working on. And the key tee really is in that 42 to 4,400-yard 4, range. If you get that tee set up at your golf course, after that you're really moving into the fairways. Um, and it can be laid out easily with very little expense. But we're seeing a lot of golf courses that are wanting to go with their forward tees in that 42 to 4,400-yard range, and I am a big proponent and am, am literally laying out course after course after course with a tee in that position.
0: And Bill, earlier this year, back in their May June edition of Golf Inc. magazine, you were named one of their top ten most innovative people in the game of golf for twenty seventeen, especially around your desires. We talk about retaining young players, women, seniors playing the game and making the game better for novice players. It sounds like this is this is sort of a whole program wrapped around how can we do a better job of not only growing the game, but keeping the people that are already in the game having more fun? You Because know, you know, the game forever, right? We've had three tees, right? It's been the red tees, the white tees, the blue tees, right? And then we've got right. some gold in there at some point. But it seems like all the things that you are doing is trying to wrap around the growth of the game and keeping those that are already playing the game in it. So first of all, congratulations and kudos to you for being named, you know, one of the top ten most innovative people in the game of golf. Talk about when they when they reached out to you, what that meant to you.
2: Well, that means a lot, and, and it's it really is rewarding, Chris, because at the heart of it, you know, I, I started out as a player, but I, I taught for years at Cherokee County Country Club in Atlanta, and then as a golf course architect, there's nothing more satisfying than having people enjoy your work and enjoy your golf courses, but to be, be able to bring more people to the game and as you said, to retain them is important. Well, what I'm seeing, we're doing three things that really impact that. Obviously, the long leaf tee system is at the forefront of getting people to play golf from the, the play a golf course that fits them instead of having them have to conform to the game. And I, I think that's very important. Obviously, the pitch and putts, that's something that's really close to my heart. I really just love them, and I love playing them myself. There's nothing more fun than going out and, and playing the pitch and putts and, and you literally go around at once and you're like, okay, let's do it again because it's so much fun and you know you can play better and every shot's important. And the last thing what we're doing a lot of and a lot of clubs are doing is we're working on practice facilities. And, and you know, one of the negatives about golf is the time constraint that it takes. You know, you can devote a good half a day to a, to a round of golf where these pitch and putts and great practice facilities allow people to enjoy the game, to work on improving, to, to, you know, again, take lessons and and enjoy the game and do it in a shorter period of time. And so we're seeing all three of those things have great impact uh, on the growth of the game and, uh, again, on players' enjoyment. So I, I believe that's, you know, that's why we were picked for this this honor by golf inc and 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 obviously i'm very pleased to be to be selected
0: bill how can our listeners stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing whether it's online or it's on social media
2: yeah i'm pretty active on social media i love posting projects um you'll see almost weekly posts from minnesota valley and if somebody doesn't know what a redan hole is they can go either on my personal page which is bill bergen or bergen golf designs on facebook we're active on Twitter. We do we do uh, Instagram, and then obviously my website, which is um, BurtonGolf.com. <clears throat> Great way to keep up with us, and um, we love interacting with people and talking about golf. So anybody that wants to check out our work, and again, it's kind of fun to watch a project go from from a um, you know a starting point and and you know dirt dirt broken and and get to that point and all of a sudden you see, you know, green grass and white sand and blue skies and all of a sudden you go, wow, I can't wait to play it. So it's a it's a fun process to sort of follow and we document most of our projects from start to finish.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that. As I see the pictures of the great things mm-hmm. that you're doing, it is interesting to watch it, you know, progress through the project and at the end it's always spectacular. I I love your course designs, Bill. I'm very privileged to have you back on the show again tonight. Uh, I can't thank you enough for your time and being generous with your time. I hope you'll come back and do it again soon and uh, in between now and then. All the best to you and your family, Bill.
2: Thanks very much, Chris. Maybe when we get up to Macklemore, we'll get Reese and myself to come on at the same time.
0: That would be awesome. I'd love that. So, yeah, let's make that happen. Good luck uh, with with your Auburn Tigers, and uh, we'll catch up again soon
2: thanks, Chris. Talk to you later. Hi, right. take care.
0: That's a great bill Bergen again, it's bergengolf.com, com. and uh, as you mentioned, he is on uh, on Facebook and on Twitter and folks. Um, I, I highly encourage you to check it out. First of all, you know he's been very nice uh, about sharing pictures of his designs and and we've had several of them uh, on our uh, on our home on uh, next on dot net. But uh, give him a look on Facebook and go check him out on, uh, on uh, bergengolf.com because the stuff is fantastic. When you look at how he, you know, how he takes a piece of property and then the slow designs of taking a look at the bunkers that he puts in and the, and the greens and how all of those are, are framed up and the backdrops that he has behind it, it really is spectacular. It's some great stuff. So I highly encourage you to go check it out. If you, if you love the game and you love to, to see the evolution of a golf course, you're going to really love checking out all the work that Bill does. Hi folks, before I uh, play my conversation with Gary Player for you, I want to give a shout out to a few of our sponsors. First of all, I want to remind you about our friends over at SinkIt.com. You know how we like to keep things on the positive side here on Next on the Tee and have a positive approach both in life and out on the golf course? Well, we're excited to be partnering with the folks at SinkIt.com. Keep putting that positive thought of sinking the putt in your mind with their great line of t shirts and hats. To win any golf tournament, right, you've got to sink that final putt. We wake up every day to finish strong, sink the putt, close the deal, work hard, getting better each and every day. Have the confidence to push forward towards your dreams. With unwavering passion, and you're going to sink it in life. Check them out online at sinkit.com. And folks, have you heard me talking about ClubHub sensors over the last few months? Well, if you haven't, listen up and get ready to discover the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. ClubHub tells you what happened and why take the progress that you're making on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. I have club hub sensors in all of my clubs, right? You just screw right into the the tops of the of your grips and I can tell you Since I put Clubhub sensors on my clubs, I have learned more about my swing and all of the data surrounding it than I've learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. But before you go out and buy your own set, our friends at Kinetic Sports have a special limited-time discount for our listeners. You can get any Clubhub product for 10% off by entering NEXT. That's N-E-X-T as your coupon code, and you're going to get Clubhubs for a stellar low price. Head to clubhubgolf.com. That's clubhubgolf.com to get your Clubhub sensors today and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Power Bar. Energy and focus on the course is essential, whether you're playing you know, on the tour in your club championship with the weekend football with your buddies. And Power Bar, the golfer's nutritional bar, can help you with both eat some before you get to the first tee and the rest over every 3 3 holes until you know they're are finished and then you're going to play with more energy and focus and ability to win. Parbar was developed by a lifelong golfer and a food scientist to help all golfers play their best. Go online to parbargolf.com and order yours today. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore.
3: This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at pgasuperstore.com. Now, back to you, Chris.
0: All right, folks, now I'm going to play my conversation with Gary Player from earlier this year during Masters Week. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I did, because all I did really was tee up a few questions you know, questions for Mr. Player and then sat back and listened to his stories, which are always fantastic. So here you go.
3: Good morning, Chris.
0: Good morning, Mr. Player. How are you?
3: Very well, thank you.
0: Mr. Player, you know, from, from what I can see, this is your 60th year now you know, going to Augusta National. And back in January, you and your lovely wife, Vivian, you celebrated your 60th anniversary. So this isn't quite the same, but has it been a
3: 60-year love affair of a different sort with Augusta National? Absolutely. Uh, How blessed am I to be able to attend this great tournament for the 60th time, a place where I had the privilege and honor of meeting President Eisenhower, Uh, Bobby Jones, uh, who I think was one of the greatest golfers that ever lived. And uh, also, the thing is that uh, he was also, he had a great command of the English language. He was the most highly educated man who participated in world golf ever. So uh, it's been an accumulation of playing with Arnold and Jack in battling and uh, between us, winning thirteen green jackets—I think that's the number—and uh, it, it's just—it's an accumulation, as our being, without being repetitive, of beauty every year. This great place that is so beautiful, uh, and it's just the memories you have, the people you meet, the wonderful people you meet. And I just love people. And uh, you know, I've travelled more miles than any human being ever. Now, I've sixty-four, sixty-four years of Constant travel, and uh, it's just been a, it's a wonderful game. And has played what has been a very prevalent part of my life.
2: And, Mr.
0: Player, you've said about your victory in 1961 that your wife and your dog were the only two rooting for you to win. And I think the same could be said of Mr. Nicholas when he won in 63 because of Mr. Palmer's popularity at the time and, and Arnie's army. At what point did you feel that the patrons sort of change? and start to appreciate you know, both of you and, and, uh, and the things that you were accomplishing there?
3: Look, when I was playing with Arnold, I'd just come from South Africa. Nobody knew me, and Arnold was a great icon, as we all know, and I appreciated that very much. So naturally, they were going to be pulling for Arnold, and I'd, uh, you know, I'd trained my mind. I, I did a lot of mind training, maybe more than, than most athletes at that time that ever did, because of my size, and I knew what I'd be batting against traveling around the world. So I'd trained my mind, and it didn't upset me at all, the fact they were pulling so hard for Arnold. I understood why they were doing that. People have always been, in America, people have been phenomenal to me all my my career, but they were obviously pulling for Arnold. I think Jack got the raw end of the stick. I think Jack, uh, people were actually cruel to Jack when he was playing against Arnold. They were cheering when he made a bogey, and uh, they were saying things like Fat Jack, uh, and Jack didn't deserve that, because Jack Nicholas actually is the greatest gentleman that I've ever played golf with in my career, and so it was unfortunate, but Jack overcame that as well. Jack had a, a strong mind, and uh, he overcame that and went on. To do things that nobody else had ever dreamt of doing, so it all worked out very well in the end.
0: And, and to that point, Mister Mister Player, you've talked about how you know when people ask you about Jack Nicholas, you know, they, you don't talk about what a great winner Jack Nicholas was. You talk about what a great loser Jack Nicholas was. Talk about what you meant by that.
3: Well, if you watch sportsmen and sports women today, I mean. Uh, Watch some of those tennis players. It always upsets me when I see they lose. They hardly shake hands. Now, if you look at Federer, and you look at Nadell, and, uh, and you look at Djokovic, when those, those three-killer guys lose, they really they put their arm around the guy, and they say, you know, they, you can see that they really appreciate the fact that they played well. And you've got to, as an athlete, man or woman, realize you are going to lose more than you're going to win. And it says in the Bible, enjoy the success of others because when you have success, you'd like them to enjoy yours. And so for me, when I was round Jack Nicklaus and the way that when I beat him, I beat him in the World Match Play Championship in England over 36 holes, twice in two separate years. I beat him six and four, five and four. And he put his arm around me like it was my brother. And because he knows you're going to lose and he knows he's gonna have probably more victories than anybody else. And those are the things that to me leave a lasting impression of how you behave. And I think behavior. And this is something we've got to teach young people in the world today because young people in the world have such a sense of entitlement. And quite honestly, nobody's entitled to a damn thing, you've got to earn it the old-fashioned way, like you did when America, when I first came here, you had to earn it, hard, hard work, nothing given to you, you had to work hard, and you had to have good manners, and you had to have respect, and you had to go for good education, and you had to honor your mother and your father, today around the world, parents want to do, because parents are to blame for being so weak anyway.
0: Mr. Player, you and Mr. Palmer, Mr. Nicholas, you guys traded the green jacket from 1960 to 1966, and then you and Mr. Nicholas got to share a moment of that again in, in 75 after you had won in 74, and you both would go on to win the tournament one more time after that. You three years later, Mr. Nicholas, 11 years later, is the biggest statement for how great you and Mr. Nicholas were. As you know, when you look back, Mr. Palmer was outstanding from 58 to 64, but it was a, a six-year window for those majors. But you and Mr. Nicholas, you guys did it over the course of almost 30 years. Is that the best statement
3: for how great you know the two of you were? You're the first person in all my 64 years that has picked that up. Arnold had a very, very short career. He won majors, as you say. For six years, I won for 20 years, and Nicholas won for 25 years. You're the first person that has ever noticed that. And to me, uh, when I judge, you know, there are different ways of judging superstars and stars. Um, Arnold was a superstar, no question. But he had a very short career, as Ballesteros had a very short career, as Nick Faldo had a very short career. And so, to me, when I judge players, uh, I always say, well, what about longevity? That, you know, if you've got a motor car, a car that lasts the longest has obviously got the best engine. You look at Sam Sneed. Sam's hateable. I think Ben Hogan is the greatest striker of a ball that ever lived. But Sam Sneed, he, he's debatably the best player that ever lived because he had such incredible longevity. Uh, one of the things that I was very proud, I won a tournament in America at the age of 63. And that happened because I worked so hard. And without uh, boasting, I'm the only man that ever won the Grand Slam on the regular tour and the senior tour for the simple reason that when I turned 50, I was in as good a condition as I was when I was 25 and worked out hard, and it paid great dividends. And what upsets me is when I listen to the Golf Channel, people talking about how Tiger over-trained and, and uh, these and Rory McIlroy's got to be careful, I mean, I I just don't know. These guys, how much have they been in the arena to give that opinion? How much have they studied uh, exercise? How much have they studied diet, et cetera, et cetera? Tiger Woods played his best when he was pumped up and and bulky. He played his best. That's when he's he's his best. Rory McIlroy is built like Tarzan, and look how beautifully he swings the club. He has the best golf swing in the world. The more you exercise, the better you're going to play. And the longer you're going to live and the greater quality of life you will have. So I hope young people will not take any notice of these people that are criticizing all this amount of exercise.
0: Mr Player, look, looking at the course of, of your you know, the span of time that you've been coming back to Augusta National, when you look at the course now, how much different is it from the course that you played in the sixties than the change to the seventies
3: and to what you see now? Excellent question. In actual length, much longer. In condition, 10 times better shape than it ever was when we played. Played the same. These guys are hitting more or less the same clubs to the greens that we hit because the ball was 50 yards less when we played. When Hogan played, it was probably 60 yards less. I mean, Sam Sneed and Ben Hogan played with junk golf balls. We played with ordinary golf balls. Golf balls. Today, they are... That's actually, I think, one of the great detriments that has hurt golf more than any single factor is the golf ball. The fact that nobody, no leaders have had the courage to keep it at the right length it should be. So what happens now? Pros go to golf courses, and they hit a drive and an 8-iron to the par 5. I mean, look at IE. Bubba Watson, I think, hit a a gap wedge to 13 at Augusta and a 9-iron over the green at 15. Now, Nicholas used to hit a five-iron there, but Bobbo Watson doesn't hit the ball further than Nicholas used to hit in his heyday. But the ball goes so much further. So now all these clubs around the world, all around the world, are changing their golf courses, bunkers in front of the green, making the greens undulating, and the members hate it, and the members can't play it, and so they don't play golf. Golf rounds have gone down, due, my opinion, due to the golf ball, the... the, the, the excessive length that the ball is going to. We should have cut the ball back 50 yards for professional golf and let the members have any ball they like and let them enjoy themselves. Uh, I never understood how they could stop the long putter with weekend golfers. Yes, it should not be allowed in professional golf whatsoever. But in amateur golf, don't stop them. There are thousands of people with the yips. Those people are going to stop playing golf you now. We're chasing them away. We're not doing things to encourage people to play golf. We're chasing them away. We're crazy.
0: Mr. Player, when, 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 you, come, when you come back to Augusta National, maybe you're bringing people that have never been there before. What are, what are some of the things, what are some of the special things that you like to show people that are, that are new to Augusta National have never walked those grounds?
3: I, I brought some people... Here from uh, three companies that I represent: Rolex and uh, SAP, the software company, and Berenberg Bank, uh, who are now from Germany, a German bank who are now situated in America. And they come there with me uh, this week. They're in awe. The beauty—you can't find a weed. You cannot find a weed on the golf course. Uh, The fairways are magnificent. The greens are magnificent, and the beauty and the way things are organized, the cleanliness and the discipline, Uh, and then you go to Berkman's Place, which is open for eight days a year, and then you see the press facilities, and the practice fee that costs $100 million. Can you imagine people coming here? I come back here every single year, and I'm still in awe, but I want to just say something where Lee Trevino is probably, he's been the smartest, street smart guy I've seen in golf, and he said, what he never understood about the USGA and the R&A with their ideas on the long putter, uh, the, which was a great controversy, he said it was very simple. All you had to do is make the putter. You, uh, you had to have a limit on the length of the putter, maybe 52 or 54 inches, whatever it was. And if you did that, nobody would be able to use the long putter in professional golf. But don't. Uh, but you should never have stopped it. I'm sorry, I'm bringing it up again. Should have never stopped the amateurs from using it. Never.
0: Mr. Player, just a couple more before we let you go and, and I saw out on Twitter you you gave a little needle at Mr. Nicholas about the ceremonial first tee shot and out driving him. Does does the, the the whoever drives it longer, is that the bragging rights for the next
3: year? Absolutely, and we like to kill each other. Jack and I tease each other all the time. And I said, Listen, Jack, you know I've outdriven you the last three years. Don't don't get upset, I said, because you used to outdrive me by fifty yards, I said you know, changes the price of survival. I'm in the gym and you're not. I'm in there all the time. So, you know, take it like a man. <laughs> we <laughs> kid each other. We kid each other all the time. Jack says, he, th- he thinks when I drive driving that I've almost won another master's title. I said, you might be right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... Looking at this year's tournament, Mr. Player, I think you know, all eyes you know, are, are going to be on Jordan Spieth as he you know, tries to exercise the demons of last year, going to number 12 and all of that sort of thing. And, and you've written a number of books, but one of the ones that I like the most is the one Don't Choke. And we talk about the mental side of the game on this show a lot. If you could give Jordan Spieth some advice for how to put that in the rear view and not let that bother him, or for any golfer, You know, for any of us that have trouble on a hole, or have a bad swing, or those sorts of things that kind of get in our heads, what what's some advice you give us to to let that go and just to move forward?
3: Well, first of all, that book I wrote, "Don't Choke." Every young golfer at college or young kid should read that book. It really will help them. But I don't know how much young people read anymore. And the other thing is, we've got a book called Gary Player's Black Book, which comes out today talking about life and business and and the mind uh, so that's also interesting and the experience I've had at 81 years of age but what I had the pleasure of playing behind Jordan Spieth in the practice round on Sunday what a wonderful young man he is and I met his father and congratulated him on raising his son so well well-mannered and and I and Jordan and I had a quick little chat He's, he's a man. He's not going to let that worry him. That's, that's part of life. This is a golf course full of demons, and everybody has their turn. One year in 1962, I was two shots ahead of Arnold Palmer with three holes to play. I put my tee shot at 16, and those of you that know 16 green, it's the most difficult green in the history of the game. I put my tee shot 12 foot from the hole. Arnold missed the green to the right in the fringe. So he had to putt down there 65 feet. He had to hit the putt 20 foot to the right. And my caddy, uh, a wonderful African-American caddy called Nipper, who was the best caddy I ever had, said, we've won. I said, we sure have won. He can't get down in two from there because nobody ever has. It came down there at 100 miles an hour, hit the flag and went in. I mean, you could hit a 1,000 putts. And the next hole, he hooks it into Eisenhower tree. And I hit it over the tree. I hit a nine iron onto the green. He punches a five-iron out of there onto the front edge of the green and holds that. So, and then he... Then in the playoff, 18 holes. I'm out in 33. He's out in 36. The 10th hole, it's a terrible shot for his second shot to the right-hand side of the green, holds the putt across the green. So, we all... Have, and he goes on to shoot 31 to beat me. We all have our demons and, and, and sad stories at Augusta. I can give you many that I had. Jack Nicklaus has had many. So... It, that's this. That's the golf course. That's why it's so phenomenal, because, boy, it knocks you down and keeps you very humble, which is a great thing. So Jordan Spieth has forgotten that. He'll go ahead. I think he'll do very well this week. My two choices, I think McElroy will win, which will be great for another addition to the Grand Slam, the five of us. It'll be good for golf. And I think Jordan Spieth will come in there and play well which would be great after his collapse last year. And then, of course, we've got Dustin Johnson. He's going to be anxious to see how he plays after three victories in a row. Um, he, he, he's been phenomenal. But basically, Chris, it's the man who putts well. I'm so tired of hearing about how far somebody hits the ball. Every program, every article, every father about his son, all they talk about is long-hitting. That's not what wins golf what wins golf to them. Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson were not good drivers of the golf ball. They were number one in the world many times because they were the best putters, the best bunker players and the best chippers. That's what wins tournament. Plus, golf is a game of the mind. The mind if I can look at people that were much better than Palmer, Nicholas and myself, but never did very well because they didn't have the mind. And that's something that is a divine gift. You cannot cultivate that. It's a divine gift, and I put great emphasis on that.
0: One last one, and to that, to that point, Mr. Player, one thing that I heard Mr. Nicholas say all the time was only a handful of guys think they're winning or capable of winning a major. So you can eliminate most of the field right away, and on Sunday most of them are going to choke, and I'm not. Is that, is that you feel the same way? Is that sort of thing you talk about, the sharpness of the mind? That only
3: a a handful of guys have that and are capable of winning a major? I I agree with Jack. There there are only so many uh, fellas that can win majors. It's a mighty big difference when you're winning a major and you're winning a tournament on the tour. A a massive difference because you know this, the whole world is watching 1.4 billion at least. And you know it goes down in history. Uh, It's the final examination of the year and it's the best challenge. And so, you know, a lot, of, a lot of players that know they won't win majors always poo-poo it. And they don't want to put an importance on it because they know they're not going to win it. So psychologically, they tell the public, oh, it's not that important. But they know it is. I mean, uh, but anyway, I think Jack is right. Uh, as far as choking is concerned, everybody chokes. Just some choke less than others.
0: <laughs> That's a great point, <laughs> Mr. P- Mr. Player. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time again with me this year. It's always such a privilege for me to get to spend some time with you. Thank you for doing this.
3: It's a pleasure, Chris. Where are you calling from, Chris? In Atlanta. In Atlanta. Okay, my yes, friend. Sir. God bless. And, and God bless America.
0: Thank you very much, Mr. Player. Take Take care. All the best to you and your family. Well, there you have it. That was uh, my conversation earlier this year with, uh, with Mr. Player. He's a wonderful, fascinating man, and it's always a privilege to be in his presence. I look forward to catching up with him again prior to, uh, to next year's Masters as well. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. But before we close up shop, we always like to remind you about our good friend and PGA Tour pro Jim Estes and the great folks over at the Salute Military Golf Association. Let's hear a word from Jim about the great things that they do.
1: The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country.
0: Yeah, folks, they do some amazing things there at the Salute Military Golf Association. To find out more information and to see how you can get involved, go online to smga.org. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at the Bradley Putter Company. Folks, you know, this year you've heard me talking about the meteoric rise of the Bradley Putter Company from concept almost a year ago, last Black Friday, to one of the sensations at the PGA merchandise show in January. I've got mine, and it's a beauty. We are proud. To be partnering with Bradley to help promote their unique line of putters made from burl wood. And these aren't ornamental putters, folks. People rave about the look and feel of the Bradley putter. They've, you know, they custom make them based on the shape and the colors that you like. Mine is black and yellow to support my Pittsburgh teams. Go online to BradleyPutters.com to see how fantastic their new line of putters really is. All right, folks, my my uh, time here to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. Again, my sincere thanks to Bill Bergen for joining me tonight. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please give me your thoughts by going to our Facebook page, Next on the T with Chris Mascaro. Share your feedback there. Plus, if you've got a question for uh, one of our future guests or someone who's already been on the show, please let us know there. Put a comment in. We'll be glad to get that uh, question answered for you. Please also check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to see who some of our future guests are going to be. Plus, you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free. From, from our website. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host, Bob Lazari, our announcer, Joel Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time on Blog Talk Radio. And that show, like this one, is also available as a free podcast on Podbean. We can't thank our friends on Podbean enough for uh, featuring both that show and this show in their sports and recreation section. Plus, if you love streaming podcasts, They've got some great ones across all genres, so go online to podbean.com and, or download their mobile app, and you can you know, take our shows you know, with you everywhere you go. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we are joined every week by five NFL legends sharing their stories from their playing days, plus sharing their insights into today's game as well. Plus, we also highlight two players doing great things in their communities in our Spotlight on the Positive segment. Again, you can find that show online at thursdaynighttailgate.com and this one at nextonthet.net. Folks, thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show today. We know you got a lot of shows and podcasts that you have the opportunity to listen to. We really appreciate the fact that you're making Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.
1: You've been listening to Next on the T with Chris Mascaro. We're PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members. To tell their stories Join us the same time every Tuesday To hear more stories About the game we love From people who love Sharing those stories with you It's all about the great game of golf It's all about the great game of golf